This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. Now, since we last spoke about it, I've had some time to reflect on Eden Lake. And as we've said a couple of times, moved house and moved house to a spot with a bit of land. And that means our neighbours have got a bit of land and we're in this funny valley. And... At about 6.30pm, a couple of Friday nights ago, there started to be very, very loud music being played. And part of the reason we moved here was a bit of quiet, a bit of silence, a bit of distance. And so that like jolts your anxiety of like, oh, fuck, have we just done all these various steps in order to end up in a scenario where we actually don't have the distance and silence that we might have hoped for? And so it's very, very loud at 6.30 p.m. And, and it's, the, it's the music genre I'm not sure I explain well, Shag. It's, it's your Mr. Vane remix that, to like to be like, unsa, 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 unsa. That's not house, is it? Uh, like like Ibiza, Ibiza-inflected house. It's not of. not house, but I think 90s dance music is a genre all of the time. Yeah, so it's, so it's that, but... but with a degree of intensity that that I'm like, oh, okay, cool. This 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 does sound like a you know a, a sub a subculture we're being let in on here. So I'm like, mm-hmm. well, this is when I have my Eden Lakes fastbender moment and leave. I'm going to leave my um, co-parent and some golden children behind, and I'm going to go have a confrontation with whoever it is who's causing the sound to have happened to like sort of figure out a time frame and how long we can expect these sounds to be going on. And so. Because it's not clear how you get to the little bits of land we live near, I'm sort of having to go through a few houses, right? Is it you? Hey, no, it's not you. Is it you? Hey, no. And so I then find myself down. Wait, this you phone. were going door to door looking for the source of this music. Yeah. And so then I think I figure out where it is and I knock, 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 can't get in. So I'm like, all right, fuck this. I walk into the backyard. Peach, like, fuck, like this is Eden Lake. Oh my god. I'm I'm telling you the story yeah, yeah. of this film last week. Yeah. And you lived it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, I then realised it wasn't the backyard of the person whose house I'd sort of broken into. It was the backyard of the next door neighbour. And I could see the person there operating, you know, what I will call a DJ deck, like, you know, just very, very loudspeakers pointed right at them, laptop open, staring down at the dial, very, very engaged with the twisting of the knobs and the, and the curling and the pushing of the buttons and that sort of thing. And so, you know, I do what I do and you know what I do. I'm like, hello there, like friendly and like hands in the you air. Walk, you walked into your next door neighbor's jumped, backyard. Yeah, I've jumped the fence. Well, it's not next door neighbor's now. We're some distance away. <laughs> and I realize this sound had to travel some some distance. So I'm I'm ready to have a constructive conversation to, to find out what's what what the story is. And you know, as I'm walking into this person's yard, I'm like climbing up onto their balcony, like, hi, hi there, like, hello, like waving, trying to get their attention, which which I'm not getting at the time. And, you, you know, I don't know if I'm being ignored in a reasonably aggressive way. And it's like, oh, okay, this, this, this could get pretty interesting. 
But then I jump over the gate. Well, I climb over the sort of the gate under their balcony to be like, "Hello, hi, hello there." So you, you're on their balcony now. Mm. And what's interesting is that, despite the fact that my tone and my hands are very friendly and my face is as warm as I can make it, there's a message that's delivered when you jump someone's fence and you're on their veranda, like trying to get their attention. That's I'm a pretty, trespasser. Yes, yeah, that's, that's the message. Clear, yeah, that's a pretty clear <laughs> message of like. I'm here to have a conversation and uh, here to get to the bottom of some stuff. And so I'm not quite in fight or flight mode, but you sort of got the, well, yeah, maybe, but sort of the nervous of like, let's just try to like dial this down, but but try to be as clear as we can. Um, and here's where things shake, take a turn for the surprising. The DJ uh, turns off the sound immediately, comes and talks to me, apologizes for not realizing how loud it was. And uh, have not heard a peep from him or that house again since. And I said, hey, no, 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 you got to have fun and do whatever you got to do. Of course, I'm standing on his balcony trespassing his house, being like, no, no, play as much music <laughs> as you like. <laughs> and have not heard a peep out of him again. And it could have been my Eden Lakes moment. And I just thought it was an anecdote you'd like to share, Shag, because it could have headed in one direction and instead headed in another. And so, so long as we're in a bit of a festive mood, things to celebrate, uh, we've not had a boozy spooko for a little while. And Shag, tonight we're you know, recording a little late and I thought that, you know, I emerged from a little bit of an Eden Lake-style confrontation with my uh, physical safety intact. So a long neck of Resh's Pilsner. Shag, if you'll join me in saying what up to a nice Resh's, I'd be very grateful. No, Peach, I absolutely will. What's up? Resh's, what's up? Mm-mm. I I just I I I just don't know like I I think because I've still got Eden Lake fresh in my mind. Mm. Usually I'd be like go peach classic peach just like standing up for your fan but now I'm just a bit like I feel mm. weird about what you did. Yeah, I'm not sure I calibrated the risks really particularly well there. It's and funny. Yeah, I ooh. That's yeah. the class thing as well. I'm like I'm an old white guy. That stuff doesn't <laughs> happen to me. Right, right, exactly. It's yeah. it's like I could just you know trespass onto someone's like onto someone's balcony because essentially all property is mine, really. When you think about it, yeah, call the cops. I'll talk to them. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I'll explain what's going on. I've uh, never had a problem with the cops. Yeah, good to see. You. Sorry, we just had a bit of a thing. A young bloke here was playing a bit of music, but we talked about it, so it's fun. No, good to see you. <laughs> Fucking Fuck. call the cops. Fuck this fucking podcast. Anyway, yeah, like this fucking podcast, Shag. Like we've learned some stuff. On learned this some stuff. I think we learned, learned a lot some about stuff. life on this podcast. Anyway, anyway, let's get back to the meat and potatoes of Spooko, which is Resh's. Yes, a pub has opened very near my work called Resh's House. Oh, I've seen it, and it's got a. It, I saw a photo they shared of their beer taps, and they were yeah. all just wretches. Yeah, I'm gonna go there. Well, all the social media content building up to it has been this like fabulous fit out. I'm like, oh yeah, sick. And all the like video content now is like very old white guys being like, yeah, let's have a wretches. And I was a little bit bummed because it didn't seem to be a young, vibrant crowd. And then I'm kind of like, well, hang on, what was I expecting if it's a, like, nostalgia brand from the, like, 1980s? So I might have to go there and be faux nostalgic. Faux-stalgic. I'm looking forward to it. So, okay, so if Rashes is the potatoes of this podcast, the meat is trying to instill in you a passion for horror films. Yes. And, and I realize one thing I love about horror films more than any other mm. 
is that when you retell their synopses, there's always a moment where it's like, I have to fucking hear how this ends. Yes. You, you set it up and it's like, oh, fuck, I need to know what happens, right? And it just doesn't happen in other genres. And I don't know if this says anything about me. Fuck, we've been, there's been so many red flags in <laughs> the last couple of episodes. But one of my favorite films is mm. Good Will Hunting. Oh, okay. I could watch that film over and over and over again, right? I could barely tell you what happens in that film. Well, if you did like drama and mm. were like, did, did like. <laughs> Mini driver, right? She's super smart. Matt Damon's switched on. They do an equation. It's pretty cool. <laughs> But if you were like, look, get this, okay. Matt Damon plays a guy called Will Hunting, get it? Uh, yep. And he's a really smart, underprivileged guy who came from the foster system in Boston, has a lot of trauma from that experience and thus has never really opened up to anyone around him. But then he meets a psychologist he connects with. I'm not dying to know what happens next. Yeah, you're like, sounds great. Good, good. <laughs> good on <that. laughs> Whereas, whereas. Monster from the spook dimension. If I told you mm. that a woman books an Airbnb in a really shady part of Detroit, shows up late one night for someone else to be there, but because she's got nowhere else to go, stays and the next day they hear a sound downstairs and upon investigating discover a fucking network of tunnels underneath their house into which he disappears i desperately want to know what happens what? i yes. desperately want to know what happens outside of terrifier 2 this is the other word of mouth horror success story of the year and i think it's based on the fact that that's such a fucking cool premise as soon as i heard that i was like do not give me any spoilers internet i need to see this at the cinema i've finally seen it peach today i'm going to tell you what happens in 2022's american horror film barbarian i've never felt further from coming up with a good idea for a horror film (laughs) (laughs) i'm like that's amazing how do they do that Although I feel like it does always have to start with a new job or, or whatever it was. You said a job interview. Oh, God, it has to. New beginnings that get cut short. Ah, uh, well done. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah? This is 476 Barbary, right? Yeah, I'm renting this place. No, I booked it a month ago. Are you sure you have the right place? Yeah. What am I supposed to do? Why don't you come inside and we'll call these idiots. Why don't you just crash here? Oh, no. I don't know if you got a great look at this neighborhood, but I don't think you should be out there by yourself. It's dry and there's a lock on the door. By the way, I'm Keith. Tess. You take the bedroom, and I'll sleep out here on the couch. God. Keith?
process might seem overwhelming. But with a little practice, it can soon become a pleasurable experience. This is perfectly natural. No, I'm giving up on that trailer. I'm pulling the pin. I think that's the first trailer I'm pulling the pin on. Wow. I think that's wow. the first time I pulled the pin on. I pulled it. No, I'm not Fuck, Peach. What made you pull the pin? Uh, we're down in under the underground tunnels and we turn the light on and there's someone crawling towards us. No. Okay. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not confident we're going ahead with this one. This, I, I'm... Peach, Peach, look, hear me out, hear me out. We've said this before. Horror films are roller coasters. And for me, like this experience was the most roller coaster experience I've had with a film in a long time. Because I already knew the first like 20 minutes of the film or something because I'd seen the trailers and I'd heard people talk about it. So I'm sitting in the cinema next to Adele. I think we had a free night. There just happened to be one of our really good friends, Mally, available to be there with Golden Child so we could go out and see a film. And I was like, I really want to see this film. I'm sitting there with Adele in the cinema and it's the first 20 minutes where I'm like, it's, it's that moment in a roller coaster where it's like, I know what, it's, what it feels like to go very slowly along a track, but the anticipation's there. So I'm sitting there being like, yes, yes. When do we get to the part where I don't know what's going to happen? And the film really is a roller coaster. But I pulled out too soon now. I'm not going to be able to get that out of my... <laughs> So like, you know, I'm raising a house of peaches. Like Golden Child, eldest Golden Child is twelve, and they watched Anola Holmes, the Netflix, the friendly, you know, <laughs> yeah, need, like sister, like young sister of Sherlock Holmes, played by Eleven. The name of the actor I've forgotten. Yeah, and descended into screaming, and now is having nightmares, and now I'm sleeping on eldest Golden Child's floor. Because of nightmares arising from Enola Holmes. This is why this podcast is so important. Perhaps it's genetic as well was the other question. I'm like, have I? It's like that Sopranos thing, that gene, that filthy gene I've infected. It's not genetic because we proved in Fussy Eater that I could like foods that I didn't like. And it's not genetic because we proved that there are some, you've been able to sit through the Babadook minimized at one and a half speed <laughs> on a phone. <laughs> But like in Eden Lake, very (laughs) problematically talking about, you know, how abuse begets abuse, not that it's abuse, how behavior begets a behavior. This podcast is about stopping that from happening. I'm not trying to say that I'm a hero. But But it's an available interpretation. Yeah. But in the same way that in your guidance with me in Fussy Eater helps me not pass on my fussy eatingness to my golden child. Mm. It's the same thing, right? Anyway, anyway. Sins of the father, sins of the father, yes. This film was written by a comedian called Zach Kreger, who's part of an improv and like skit group called The Whitest Kids You Know. Classic name for an improv trooper. I'm like, they probably all were white, Yeah, no, right? I'm like, sort of, <laughs> there's a degree of honesty there that I quite like. I'm like, yeah, well, okay, yeah, okay. That's, that's you guys. Now, this started, now he's a comedy writer, right? But this started with him being inspired by a nonfiction book called The Gift of Fear, which had a section that encouraged women to trust their intuition and not ignore the subconscious red flags that arrive mm. in their day to day interactions with men. Mm. And he sat down and was like, I'm going to write a scene 
that includes as many red flags as I possibly can. And in fact, this is a direct quote from his Wikipedia. He said, I just wanted to write a fun scene for myself and it ended up being something that hooked me and I didn't know where it was going and then it turned into a feature film. This is why we're never going to make a film. I'm like, I can't imagine a straight bolt of inspiration from such a brilliant creative source to happen. But Peach, is that not a red flag in itself? That he's like, what if I included all the red flags <laughs> for a woman to have to deal with? What if I did that? Oh, I don't know. Like, is like, there I something like a bit? <laughs> every horror film is that though. Of you know, you, you say how normal. Um, Romeo Cromer or whoever it was who directed Terrify too. It was like, <laughs> yeah, Damien yeah, hey, Leone. That would sort of be a good vibe. To just Romeo have Cromer is such a good name. <laughs> That's a good name, actually. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Continue. <laughs> Romeo Cromer. In fact, Romeo Cromer. Romeo right. Cromer. So much better than, what was, what was it last week? Jenny Greengrass? Jenny Ooh. Greengrass. Yeah. It does sound like a Roald Dahl. Um, it does sound like Miss Honey from uh, Matilda. <laughs> I'm say. It's basically the same thing. But um, Romeo Cromer was just super boring in interviews. And he's like, yeah, I just thought it'd be cool to make like a fucked horror film. That's just my, <laughs> that's just my thing. And I can't, yeah, I guess it is a red flag. Although, <clears throat> not to get too deep on, is it okay that people make art like this? I think if people want to make art like this, it's okay. I mean, is metal, like if we talk about metal in... Music parlance, is it like I'm going to murder your face and kill your babies or are they saying stuff? There is Cannibal Corpse that do that. And, and like, they have songs like, you know, I'll stab you with my shit and stuff. Like, I don't know, I'm just making it up. Mm. And they're very gory and gruesome and there's maggots and entrails and all sorts of things in their lyrics. And it's a dumb throwaway line, but I'm like, is it a red flag in itself that Zach Craig read this book about red flags that subconscious red flags that women shouldn't avoid and was like what if i put all of these red flags into a scene <laughs> i guess that's my point i don't know i don't know it's just a question i'm asking it reminds me of that of that line about is it robert green the um the 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 48 rules of power or the 48 laws of power i have no idea uh it's it's this thing that i'm sure is made up for marketing the book but it's like the only book banned from prison because it teaches criminals how to manipulate like anyone, including guards. And so they can then escape prison. It's like, I'm sure that's wrong. <laughs> but it's a lie that is told so often that I'm like, oh, wow, Robert Green's book, pretty good for manipulating prison guards. The last couple of episodes, we've had to really investigate ourselves. And I think mm. it's funny that that's a marketing book that has an overinflated sense of their importance because who would believe <laughs> all the other marketing books are like so when navy seals do stuff uh, they do this so when you're doing online marketing just take a navy seals kind of approach to doing your own. it's like oh these two things are not completely alike. well look at the, you know, one of the reasons why i do this podcast that i've mm. never actually admitted but it's absolutely true mm. is that in my day-to-day -day job in advertising like every single person subconsciously who works in advertising i'm like am i contributing to the world shag my job is the maintenance of literal <laughs> corporations like i am the hero of corporations there is no one better than me genuinely in new south wales which is the biggest state in australia at maintaining corporations doing what they're doing i'm the greatest of all time at supporting capitalism it's a it's a problem but this is why two things. Number one, 
Mm. I will keep doing this forever, no I matter what. Maybe I, I think maybe I will. Yeah, Sorry. I think we both will. Are we talking about just spitting off the edge of the world, or are we talking about this podcast? Yeah. Well, I think just I think just this podcast, but in general, like I will always be making stuff. Yeah. And I think it's probably one of the reasons why I don't think we would ever have a Patreon. Not that there's anything wrong um, with that, but for us, it's like... We're already too wealthy. Yeah, I think we feel bad. <laughs> no, but it's like, this is like, no, we just want to make something that's not <laughs> the things we do in our day job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm also educating people. It's for me, I'm like, God. Oh. <laughs> it is definitely a thing mm. where in advertising, there are so many like, People being like, I got to do this really, you know, important campaign where I used my beer brand to have billboards that said the World Cup was fucked and had all these human rights abuses. There's this overwhelming sense with everyone who works in advertising, I think, and maybe this is just me projecting, that's like, what are we all doing here? Is what we're doing important? Uh, I think our concern is more like, are we just in office space? Like, essentially, it's, it's not like, are we bad? It's, are we irrelevant? I think it's the lawyer's concern. I'm like, great. So I've like devoted 80 hours a week for the past three years to, you know, helping some road get built in Western Australia from one mine to one train. That's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> like, was that a good and worthwhile thing to do? And it's like, it's like, I didn't build it. I helped them hold the contract. My boss to. <laughs> look good in discussions with some of the people who are involved in building some of it. So it's, it's like, that's what I devoted my life and mental health to and why I don't have, you know, relationships as close as I'd like. And so it's it's more not, not a concern that we're evil but a concern that we're irrelevant because all lawyers think we're good. It's like, oh, the legal system's important and a fundamental part is that everyone gets representation and it can't just be people you think are nice and good the system only works if even people who you might think are bad get good representation. So then, you know, it's fair. And so, well, probably just bad people. <laughs> probably fine for bad people just to fuck up. <laughs> like, no way, man. Of course I'd act for rapists because they might have raped nine people but not ten. And it's important that... They didn't rape the 10th person. And it's like, well, like, I'm not sure I follow that train of thought. Anyway. So I, I can't remember why we, we, we got to this point. I've nearly finished this long neck. I've not had one of these for <laughs> since the last time I had one on the pod. That must be like 12 months ago. It's the best. So let's talk about this film, Barbarian, okay? Mm. So it starts with Tess Marshall, who is the main character. Good name straight away. Mm -hmm. Coming into town for a job interview. We know all this part, but we'll go through it anyway. She books a remote house in the rundown Brightmoor neighborhood of Detroit. Now, I looked this up afterwards because I was interested. Is what's up? You know, in the very intentional usage of rundown Detroit as the setting for this film. And Brightmoor is a real neighborhood, and there are rundown sections and, you know, vacant houses around here. You've seen like Eight Mile and. The sort of oh, it's that, is it? Yeah, yeah. You've seen the sort empty of Detroit porn, house, empty about yeah, house, yeah, like house. yeah, the sort of poverty porn that uh, that don't breathe. The original don't breathe was set yep. there too. It is a great setting, great setting, right? And she books an Airbnb that's this one occupied house on this street with just a bunch of abandoned houses. And so at night time, 
There aren't really street lights except the lights of this house. I'm going to my YouTube app because I want to reopen my fucking phone and see this shit. So I just like hear you explaining it. I'm like, I'm not looking at that. When she gets there, she finds out that the place has been double booked and is already occupied by, by a young man named Keith Toshko. Initially unnerved by Keith, Tess warms up to him and decides to stay the night. And it plays out where there's a whole bunch of red flags where we start to think this this guy's bad. He's like, God, I can't even remember all of them. And I, I think, anyway, you'll, you'll see why the they don't really... The reason people misunderstand Jordan Peterson is they <laughs> haven't really done their research. They really need to... It's more like she has a shower and he's waiting at the kitchen table and he's like, oh, remember that bottle of wine we found? Well... I found two cups. Maybe, you know, now that you're here and we're both staying in this house alone, maybe you'd want to join me for a glass of wine sort of thing. And, and then comments that she's beautiful, and but in a, in a really awkward way. And it's, it's all just like a little bit creepy. <clears throat> but then while they're having a chat, she discovers that he is part of this urban regeneration project, that she's come to this job interview to help film a documentary about. And so they have something to talk about and all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, wait, hang on. They're not, they're not necessarily red flags or maybe they are, but they don't seem to be. And maybe he's actually a good guy after all. And they sort of click. And then she goes to bed being like, oh, this guy's actually kind of nice and maybe I want to hang out with him a bit more. The next morning, Keith leaves for the day and Tess goes to her interview. There's also a really cool moment when she's speaking to the director who's making the documentary and they're leaving and the director's like, where are you staying? And she's like, I'm in Brightmore. And the director's like, um, you should leave right now. And Tess is like, no, it's fine. And the director's like, no, like, what are you doing? And she's like, no, it's fine. I got this Airbnb. There's, there's someone else staying there. It's complicated, but I'm just going to go back there. She returns to the house and is chased inside by a homeless man yelling that she must leave and get out of their street. She freaks out and she runs inside, locks the door, calls the police. The police are basically like, we really can't do anything about it. Just stay inside. If I phone the police, this is back to the start of the episode. If I phone, they'd be like, oh, Peach, sorry, tell me what do you need? Fucking privilege. It's so true, right? It's so true. Um. She ventures into the basement and gets locked downstairs and stumbles upon a hidden corridor. There. Is this when we're going to see the thing that I saw in the preview? So there, Tess finds a room with an old stained mattress, a camcorder pointed at it, and a bloody handprint on the wall. Tess backtracks and tries to leave, but is still locked in the basement. Keith arrives and frees her from a basement window. Tess tells Keith what she has seen and he's basically like, I'm going to go down and check. She's like, no, let's just get the fuck out of here. He's like, look, I'm going to go down and check. You stay here. If I don't come back, just call the police or whatever. When he doesn't return, Mm -hmm. Tess returns downstairs. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of annoying because I'm like, you wouldn't keep going looking for him in this underground corridor. You call the cops and go, oh, fucking right? hell. And you, you don't know this person. Like, you, well, you get in a car and drive away. Like, I mean, fuck, maybe I'm an awful person. But, and I actually don't know what, it, maybe I'd, maybe I'd want to be heroic and maybe I'd want to actually go and save this person. 
I think some people are quick to trust others. Like the only really genuine challenges I have with the co-parent of our various golden children is the speed with which I trust people who offer to care for our kids. I'm like, oh yeah, sounds great. And it's like, yeah, well, fucking maybe it doesn't. How long would they notice? That's the first time you've whispered into the mic and I couldn't hear a fucking word you said. <laughs> All of it was important. But I'm really looking forward to when I'm editing this, turning up the volume on that and finding out what you said. Uh, maybe. Uh, my most recent experience with audio engineering was a new employee at my firm was like, put some blue tack in your AirPods and it'll fix them. <laughs> What? And I was like, how does it work? And they came and did it. And it's a very disarming thing to have a young person, <laughs> like, you know, because it's your earwax, it turns out, has been jammed into your AirPods, which is why you can't hear them very well. Oh. And so they jam the blue tack in and, like, little worms of earwax get extracted out. And, oh, uh, my gosh. Having someone you employ to not clean your fucking AirPods <laughs> <laughs> go and do that is a crazy scenario. Let's go find out what's happening in the underground tunnels. Shag, hit me. Okay. Mm. So Tess returns downstairs. I think, I think, sorry, but one more aside. I think this is why I don't drink on this podcast a lot. I'm just having a, I'm having a fucking spooker themed party over here. I'm having the best time. <laughs> so, so Tess returns downstairs. So, are you ready mm. to find out what the fuck happens in this film? I really don't want to approach whoever's crawling on their knees towards Tess. Yeah. So she returns downstairs mm. and discovers that the hidden corridor she had initially found leads further downstairs to a subterranean tunnel, where she hears Keith screaming for help. She enters the tunnel and finds an injured Keith who comes up to her. And so this whole time, this whole opening, it's kind of a bit like, is he a bad guy? What's going on? Is he luring her down there? But as soon as we find the injured Keith, we're like, oh, no, he's not the bad guy. And also, what is this deeper tunnel and who's down here? Who is down there? Shag, fucking don't pause. I'm having, like, tell us. The pair are attacked by a naked, deformed woman who brutally smashes Keith's head into the wall until it crushes and then it cuts to black. Now, I do need to say something really important here and this is, this is an interesting point that I didn't notice. It's one of those red flags that I didn't even notice but Adele picked up because remember I took her to the film to see her. And she liked the film but she's like, I think horror has this trope and I've heard this before and I like and I completely agree with it, like, but I I didn't pick up on it. Has this trope where old women's bodies are scary yeah. and horrific. Yeah, yeah. No, she's completely right. And mm. the fact that she had was an old naked body and the fact that they pointed that out in the description is supposed to be sort of horrific. The only naked body we're excited about is is a young naked body is good. Old person, female naked body is bad. Yeah, and especially, fe- like, because we see lots of old men naked bodies and they're not, u- like, in, in Hereditary, yes, to a certain degree, they were scary. But uh, In X, X, I think it's probably a good oh, example. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But, but yeah, X, absolutely. The, this idea mm. of, like, uh, old ugh. sexuality, old nudity is not only gross, it's scary. It's transgressive. And Genuinely horrific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty fucked. That's Mm. pretty fucked. That's another red flag for Zach Krager. But anyway, 
So, cuts to black. All of a sudden, we're on like a Californian highway and we see motherfucking Justin Long, who is not in that first preview at all, but he is driving down a Californian highway in a vintage convertible, singing to a song on the radio, having the best fucking time. It is, this movie is a fucking <laughs> roller coaster. This this was one of those moments where I'm like, fuck, this is cool. And I'm glad no one told me that Justin Long is in this because this is a fun, pleasant surprise. Is Justin Long the how to train your dragon voiceover person? I love that that's your frame of reference. The best one I've got that most people remember is, remember those I'm a Mac, I'm a PC commercials? Yeah. Ah, fuck. Okay, Justin Long. Quick, can you just quickly Google him on your phone? Because you know uh, Justin Long. Yeah, okay. Quick, 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 uh, quick, 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 in, quick. Was he in Knocked Up? Oh, like maybe? Fuck, Justin I haven't seen Knocked Long. Up in a long time. Oh, fuck you that. know Justin Long. You definitely. I'm sure he's my favorite <laughs> star of the film. <clears throat> he's, a, he's an actor. He's a comedian and director and screenwriter. Oh, he was in Jeepers Creepers, Shag. We've done Jeepers Creepers on he the podcast. He was in Jeepers Creepers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I know him from Jeepers Creepers. <laughs> so he's driving along this highway mm. and he finds out he's been fired from his television pilot due to rape allegations against him made by his co-star. We then sort of follow his fall from grace as he visits a financial advisor who's basically like you've got to sell your assets to pay for legal costs and he's he's like what like i don't really have much i can sell i've got these homes in detroit i can sell them so aj travels to a rental property he owns in detroit which just happens to be the same house that tess and keith rented you didn't hear this from me but just don't pay your <laughs> what do you mean just don't pay your lawyers we're really good at chasing money for other people but we're actually really disorganized and not very good at chasing money for ourselves fun <laughs> fact but i like i actually couldn't hear you again but i i imagine it's that thing where it's like pay us pay us last is the one. <laughs> that's an advice as a friend of justin long's character <laughs> you probably won't want to be a friend of his character because he definitely did like Ooh. they're not just allegations like he's a bad guy and to, to the point where this film i liked this film but it was definitely trying to be an a24 film and just falling short by being a little bit too obvious in places like his character was almost comically bad okay this is this is a roller coaster for me so aj inspects the house shag it's fun to be drunk on these episodes why have i not (laughs) done this before i'm like (laughs) i'm having the best time sorry oh i'm really excited telling you what happens because it's like you will not expect what happens next so aj inspects the house Mm. And finds people's clothes there. And he's like, what the fuck? Are people here? So obviously he finds both uh, Tess's clothes. Mm. And who's our, who's our other guys? Uh, what's his name? Keith. Tess and Keith's clothes and mm. like bathroom stuff upstairs. And he's like, what the fuck? Oh, so he doesn't know it's been rented out. No, he doesn't know it's been rented out. But, but what I think's happened is that both of these people, Keith and Tess, had a short-term rental. They've since disappeared underneath the house. Mm. 
they've clearly been gone a long time because he's showed up, their stuff's still there, and those rentals are passed, but their stuff's still there. Yep. Which I think is, it, like, it's a quite clever way of saying the time's passed without saying time's passed. AJ inspects the house and eventually discovers the hidden tunnel. And there's a really funny part where he calls the real estate and he's like, hang on, if there's like a hidden tunnel under my house, does that count as more square footage? And can I now charge more for this house when I try to sell it? And so he goes back upstairs, grabs a tape measure, and he goes down to the very depths and he's like measuring the place. And he's like, fuck yeah, like I'm going to sell this for so much money because it's got uh, heaps of square footage. I uh, know. I feel like that's a really clumsy caricature. I, I feel like that distances me from the character. So it feels like those, you know, those cartoons where there's sort of political cartoons from the 1930s and they label everything of like, there's a, you know, a big fat greedy pig who's like, Europe, and then there's you know, or whatever, like, and then there's like yeah. you know, the food That's in the bowl, right. it's yeah. like the workers, and it's like, see, so Europe's eating the workers, or whatever. It's like, yeah, well, fucking, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, if you have to explain your cartoon, probably you're a shit cartoonist, is probably my view. But this, has, yeah, I don't know. That's how I feel about Justin Long's character right now. So, as he's doing this. He's eventually chased by the deformed woman who attacks him and he falls into a pit alongside Tess, who's basically like, shut the fuck up. And then cuts to black again. Fucking whip. This movie is whiplash, right? So now we have a flashback to the 1980s where, or maybe that's the 70s. I don't know. But it's like, we see that house's original owner, Frank, following a woman home, going into her house, like to basically case the joint. Look at me talking like a mobster. Um, <laughs> Shag, and, you are, yeah, you're 2015 era Drake. And, and, and we discover in this flashback that eventually there was this guy called Frank who abducted women and held them captive in the tunnel. He would use the hidden room to video himself assaulting them and then assault the subsequent children as well. Who he would so he would capture oh, these people, no. have kids with them, and like no one ever escaped, really. Mm-hmm. In the present, Tess explained that the woman, referred to as the mother, doesn't want to kill them, just wants them to act as her children. When AJ refuses to drink milk from a bottle offered by the mother, she drags him away and forces him to breastfeed. Again, Adele made a really good point here where it's like, breastfeeding shouldn't be this like like there's this weird attitude like especially men especially people who don't have kids where it's like it's disgusting as whatever it's like it's such a natural normal nothing unsexualized unprovocative thing shanks i feel like you're saying there's a system that's in place (laughs) that might be a millennia old that prioritizes men over the experiences (laughs) of women You, you wouldn't be so controversial as to say that Look, should it be dismantled? I guess is my point. If there yeah, is such look, a system, look, look, who can t- who can say? All I'll say is, people talk about it being the most disturbing moment in this when she forces him to breastfeed, and it's like it it just shouldn't be. 
the grossest thing that happened in this. Uh, uh, anyone who's got deep into breastfeeding uh, as a co-parent potentially knows that forcing someone into breastfeeding is a fucking nope. It is a shag. Yeah, true. That is true. Yes, yes, yes. I accept that. And anyone who spent time and effort trying to dismantle the fucking patriarchy knows that you know we need as many soldiers as we can get on the ground. Make friends with your people. We are intersectional feminists. We're drinking rushes. We're having a good time. So Tess escapes and the mother, as she's only ever referred to, pursues her, allowing AJ to make his own escape. He discovers a room with a decrepit Frank living further in the tunnel. He's basically, he can basically, he can barely move. He's sitting in a bed. What are they eating? How's the food coming in? Well, no, we find out that she um, leaves the house at night and we find this out later on, but she roams Brightmore at night, but then comes back during the day. Anyway, he's just lying in bed watching an old CRT TV. AJ's like, Hey man, I can help you. Cause he obviously doesn't know any of this. He's like, I can help you get out. And then he notices all the videotapes, puts one on. We hear him watch it. And he's like, what the fuck? Who are you? Frank manages to get a revolver from the, the, the table next to his bed. Sorry, the drawer next to his bed. We think he's maybe going to shoot AJ, but then he shoots himself and dies. AJ flees with the gun while the mother leaves the house to find Tess. Tess escapes the house by breaking a basement window. She eventually reaches a gas station and is able to call the police. The officers are dismissive of her story because she looks really disheveled and they assume she's a junkie, um, in their words. But she convinces them to go back to the house with her. The police refuse to investigate the house before being called away attributing Tessa's story and behavior to drug use. After breaking into the house to retrieve her car keys, Tess runs her car into the mother, seemingly killing her. Seemingly. My favorite Wikipedia word, Shaq. We bump into it from time to time. She returns to the basement Mm. to rescue AJ. He can't see her in the dark and he accidentally shoots her with the gun. The two escape the house, AJ pulling Tess, and they find shelter with Andre, the homeless man who had chased her earlier. So there's a moment where she yeah. finds Andre. He explains that the mother goes out at night and there's only one safe place she can go, which is near the water, t- which is near the water tower. But that's when she's like, no, I have to go back and save AJ. And then he shoots her and here they are. But anyway, so they then eventually go to the water tower where they're going to be safe. Andre explains that the mother is a product of multi-generational incest by Frank. I guess my, my point is the way the film structured the breastfeeding's supposed to be the most disturbing part, not like <clears throat> where mother came from. Like it's it's just weird the priorities of it. Anyway, the mother ambushes the group and kills Andre before chasing Tess and AJ up a water tower. AJ's like, "We've got no escape." So is mother like super powered or something at the moment? Yeah, she's kind of like super strong because okay. of. Inbreeding. Yeah. AJ pushes Tess off the tower in an attempt to save himself. And the mother jumps after Tess because the mother thinks Tess is her baby and manages to, in the air, 
catch Tess and break her fall, Tess landing on the mother, seemingly killing her. So the mother's dumb as well. Like, uh, this is, okay, yep, sorry, yep. As AJ attempts to, yeah, the mother's basically like, baby, okay. baby, eat, sort of thing. Like, it's, the mother is that. Like, that's the, that's the character. That's the monster <gasps> the mother is. My mum rules. So, like, <laughs> this is a movie character. Yeah, cool. As, uh, as AJ attempts to rationalize his actions to Tess, the mother awakens and kills him. The mother tries to comfort Tess and wants to take her back to the house, but you reluctantly shoots and kills the mother and stumbles away as the sun rises. And that was Barbarian. It was good. It was good fun. I'm concerned the mother has like a vulture beak or like weird shit going on. Yeah, no. It is a little bit Deus Ex inbreeding as well. To be like inbreeding, she's a monster with superpowers <laughs> who doesn't it like doesn't like basically acts like a uh, Flintstones caveman. Yep, I feel like X Men is pretty much the same plot of like <laughs> it's either the X gene or not enough chromosomes, uh, <laughs> a little bit of hemophilia, you know, these kinds of things circling around the place. But Shag Barbarian, I imagine stylistically pretty thrilling as well because people talk super highly of it. Yeah, it's well made, and I really enjoyed mm. those those complete change the the way that the film changed course completely twice in the film. Mm. You know, so so there's the shift to Justin Long's story, then there's the shift to the past, and I I don't feel like how like I like I guess because they don't really want to go into detail of the awfulness that was happening down there, but because it's not really explained. It's it, the impact of it's sort of lost. I don't know. Like, it's a fun movie. I'd recommend it to people. But to be honest, like, and this is probably a fucking controversial thing to say, but I preferred Terrifier too. Okay. Well, Shag, there's a house across the valley, right? I've tried to make friends with lots of people. They haven't really responded. I'm planning to jump the fence. I'll just come up to the house and just to see if there's anyone in there or anyone wants to make friends. Got any feedback for me or any hints or tips or do you reckon I should just jump the fence and just go figure out what's going on around there? <laughs> I'm still, I, I still, to this day, this will be one of like the greatest, like Spooko is serendipity. We, we never really like, like we don't have time usually to discuss what we're going to talk about beforehand. And the fact that the plot of a film we talked about echoed your recent experience in real life i just don't think that's ever going to be topped my fear is the same as yours shag it's that i turn out to be the bad guy uh, this was recorded at fbi studios please like subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can and Resh's, what's up